0: This affects your relationships. It affects your motherhood. It affects your ability to take care of yourself. It affects your ability to show up for the important things in your life. It's, it's so crazy to me how much it's belittled and invalidated by our society. You know, how much being exhausted is glamorized and being tired in motherhood is normalized. And it's like, this affects everything. Why aren't we taking this more seriously? Why aren't we being given permission to really see it as the serious issue that it is. Hey, I'm Mia Hemstad. I'm a wife, I'm a mom of two kids, and I'm a trauma-informed self-care coach. I also live with diagnosed PTSD and depression. I started sharing my mental wellness journey online in 2017 when I was diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety. And since then, I've heard from hundreds of women who all struggle with the same thing. Putting ourselves last. This is a struggle that's keeping so many women burned out and unhappy through no fault of our own, by the way. I've been working on my own healing as an abuse survivor since 2013, but when I became a mom, I really started to do the inner work of figuring out why I was putting myself last and how to start prioritizing myself for the first time in my life. This podcast is about sharing all of those lessons with you. So if you're interested in hearing honest stories, life advice, and inspiration that encourages you to make your health, happiness, and well-being a priority, then definitely stick around. Welcome to your No Longer Last journey. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. (sighs) This episode, for some reason, I debated whether or not I should make it because I thought, well, you know what, this just reveals the problem and why we need to talk about it. I often think, oh, it's just me and this isn't a common problem people face, so why bother making this this episode? But if I look at the facts, every time I've talked about my nightmares, my chronic exhaustion, I always get a DM from someone on Instagram saying, oh my gosh, you have nightmares? I have nightmares too. I just thought it was normal. I didn't know it was a symptom of PTSD. And then they start their own journey of pursuing a diagnosis of PTSD or learning more about that or sharing that piece of information with their healthcare professional. Because apparently, you know, when we don't think something's a problem, when we think it's just us, you know, just you, you're alone in it, we don't even think to tell our healthcare professionals, um, and it was actually telling my first psychiatrist back in 2019 that I had, not, you know, daily nightmares, you know, nightmares every night that tipped the scale to her diagnosing me with PTSD because that is, um, that's beyond anxiety, right? Um, so we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about chronic exhaustion. We're gonna talk about. Everything that has to do with that. I'm going to share a little bit of my own journey and I'm feeling so much better now and how I started to feel better, why, what's been helping me. Um, And hopefully this can help you um, because chronic exhaustion is not okay. So one of the things I wanted to touch on is how normalized exhaustion is, especially you know, I've only lived, well, I'm living in my third country now, but I lived in Guam for most of my life. Then I lived in the United States and now I live in Portugal. But I would say definitely when I lived in the United States for almost 10 years, uh, exhaustion is normalized in the US. And, you know, because I wasn't born and raised in the United States, I feel like I have kind of an external perspective on the culture there. Because I grew up on an island which had a very laid back, mentality towards life you know very much like slow enjoy your life island life type of vibe and then I go to the United States and people are like they're like praising the people who stay at the office late they're praising the people who got sick during finals week because they they pulled three all-nighters in a row Um, I know for me when I went to university I um I graduated valedictorian I was always the top of my class and I almost got no sleep and I remember going to the student life director and telling him, you know, I'm really, really tired and I don't know how to balance this new college life with all of my other responsibilities and still take care of myself. And all he said to me was, Mia, you're third in your class. This is amazing. Keep it up. And <laughs> that is not okay. <laughs> that is not okay. That's continued this like roller coaster I was on that just resulted in a massive crash and burn in 2013 and um, and, and honestly continued to get worse as I got into motherhood because then when motherhood happened and I'm being woken up every hour and a half to breastfeed another human being, I looked around me and was telling other mothers like how painfully exhausted I was. And people just were like, "Oh, you know, that's just the way it is. That that comes with motherhood. It just comes with the territory. Like, you'll they'll grow out of it. You'll you'll um, get used to it." Um, newsflash: I never got used to it. It was never okay. My body never adjusted to sleeplessness. And this idea that just because you become a mother, all of a sudden you're supposed to become a superhuman who doesn't have basic human needs is I don't know, some whacked tool created by probably the patriarchy to keep us tired because we're just supposed to say, oh, this is normal. And I started to do research on sleep um, when I was getting so sick and tired of feeling tired. And there's not a single medical professional that's like, oh, yeah, when women become mothers, they just don't need sleep anymore. There's not a single study that says that. And if anything, The benefits and the necessity of quality sleep on a nightly basis are well documented and well researched. And so I thought to myself, if we all need sleep for seven to eight hours of the day, you know, a third of our lives, then why is it that all of a sudden when you become a mom and you're not sleeping hardly at all, and if you were like me and you had postpartum anxiety, by the time you got your kid back to bed you just lied awake because you were, you know, catastrophizing all the bad things that could happen to them when your eyes were closed, Um, which, you know, one in four mothers are diagnosed with that. So it sounds a lot to me like society just feels it's more convenient to overlook mother's needs and to just create a narrative that we're superhuman. We adjust. We get used to it. They'll grow out of it. You know, it's overlooked. It's considered unimportant because, you know, the language around it is basically just deal with it and get over it. And I think that's really messed up and really unfair because society would not exist without parents and children and parents raising those children and mothers bringing those children into the world. And I think we deserve a lot more respect and support than we get. And sleep is just one of many things, but it's what I want to focus on here because I think the narrative around it is just like, hey, deal with it. And then all of us are just like, swallowing our feelings instead of talking about how much we don't like it. Um, So yeah, that's kind of what I went through. And if you went through that too, um, I want you to know that it's actually not okay for you to feel exhausted every single day. So a little bit of history about Um, sleep because I talked about early motherhood for me but also I've had severe chronic exhaustion like I said since 2013 when everything started crashing and burning in college I think I was a sophomore and it was due to my PTSD I started to become more aware of the abuse that I went through you know for most of my childhood I just kind of went through the abuse I didn't I wasn't aware that it was abuse and then as I started going into college and um, kind of just growing up I became more aware of it and that started this nightmare nightmare hamster wheel I got on. Um, and I've been dealing with those nightmares on and off um, through today. It's 2022, July of 2022 by the time I'm recording this. And the nightmares are like, it feels like I am running for my life every night and I can barely breathe and I am always in danger. And then I wake up feeling more tired than when I went to bed because I feel like I spent all night running for my life. And it's, it's not a fun way to live, let's put it that way. And these nightmares got so bad that by February of this year, February, yeah, January and February. I just really felt like I was the end of my rope. I started having suicidal ideation again. My depression flared up. My anxiety became crippling again. I stopped posting on YouTube. I stopped posting on Instagram. You know, I really just needed to, you know, take my own advice as a coach and disconnect from everything else so that I could focus on what the heck am I going to do about this? Because, again, like. I don't think mental illness or any illness is just due to a lack of knowledge or a lack of action. Like I've gone to so many professionals and none of them knew what to do with me. And the year prior in 2021, I had seen several psychiatrists who could not crack the code on how to help me to stop having these nightmares. So, you know, it wasn't due to a lack of effort, but like I was just really struggling And so, yeah, I just want to say if you're going through something similar, because every time I talk about this, I always get some messages from people saying like, I thought that nightmares were normal. Um, They're not normal. And they create this chronic exhaustion hamster wheel that that's impossible to get off of. And it makes existing so hard when you're that tired all the time, when thinking hurts, when you're trying to like make mental connections and you can't, or you're trying to remember what you were going to do and your forgetfulness starts getting worse and worse and you start to feel helpless to this exhaustion, which just makes your anxiety worse and your depression worse. I stopped wanting to take my kids out by myself. I always needed my husband to come with us because I was worried that I would disassociate, which is one of the common symptoms that happens when I'm exhausted and if you don't know what disassociation is it's basically when you are physically present but mentally and emotionally you are not you're numb you are kind of spaced out you're in another dimension it feels like you're kind of just walking through your life but you're not really in your life and this just made me so much more depressed because my kids are growing up right before my eyes and my life is happening right around me but it's like I could barely touch it. Or feel it or remember it. Um, you know, lack of sleep erodes your ability to form memories. And that was making me really depressed and anxious as well. So it just was not a good time. And when I moved to Portugal in March, in March and April, you know, we were supposed to be scouting neighborhoods, you know, on our feet all day long, checking out different places, touring around. And we would do one thing. And i would be so exhausted we needed to go back home and i'm like this is not how we're supposed to be spending our time in a new country we need to figure out where we're going to live we need to figure out what we're going to do you know my husband and i are still working so you know it's not like it it's not just like oh i'm tired it's inconvenient it's like this affects your relationships it affects your motherhood it affects your ability to take care of yourself it affects your ability to show up for the important things in your life it's, it's so crazy to me how much it's belittled and invalidated by our society. You know, how much being exhausted is glamorized and being tired in motherhood is normalized. And it's like, this affects everything. Why aren't we taking this more seriously? Why aren't we being given permission to really see it as the serious issue that it is? <sighs> so starting in May... I have started to feel a lot better. Finally for the first time in almost 9 years, I my nightmares and my chronic exhaustion have eased up significantly. And, you know, if we were rating this on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being, you know, feeling like you didn't sleep at all and feeling horrendous when you wake up and 10 being feeling absolutely perfect, I'm averaging about a 6 and sometimes a 7. And I still have my one and two days where I'm like, I feel horrible, but they're like three times a month instead of being every day of the month, which is a massive improvement. And so I want to talk more about what helped me improve my sleep after we take a quick break. Have you ever gotten a little time to take care of yourself and then you're instantly overwhelmed with what the heck you should do first? Yeah, I used to feel that way too. I call that self-care overwhelm, which leads to decision fatigue and results in you not taking care of yourself in the way that you really need to feel nourished and filled up. This used to be a constant problem for me back when I had my second baby, and that's when I created the 4B self-care framework to help my exhausted mom brain figure out what I needed to do to take care of myself with the small pockets of time and energy that I had. In this framework, there are four types of self-care. Basic boring, brilliant, and bougie. In my new mini course, I teach you about these four types of self-care, I show you how to prioritize, and I give you a printable to plan out your self-care over a 30-day period to help you go on your own journey of self-discovery to figure out what you really need to feel healthy, happy, and taken care of. You can get this mini course completely for free on my website at miahemstad.com forward slash course. I'll have it linked in the show notes as well. Okay, welcome back. Um, So we're going to dive straight into what has been helping me improve my sleep. Why did I go from a one and a two every day to now being an average of a six and a seven? I'm excited to share this with you because, goodness gracious, I wish somebody shared this with me to hopefully shorten my nine-year journey of figuring out my sleep problems. So I'm going to dive straight in, okay? Okay. Medication. There's so much stigma around mental health medication. It took me years to start taking medication for postpartum depression and anxiety. And when I did start taking it, and I started feeling better, I was so guilty and angry that I didn't take it sooner because I missed out on years of my motherhood journey um, of just because of of being in survival mode because I refused to take medication and. Again, the same thing happened with sleep. I just felt like, oh, you know, it's motherhood. Motherhood's exhausting. That's what we hear. And I was dismissing and invalidating myself. I was dismissing and gaslighting myself. And I wasn't really validating and acknowledging that it's not normal and it's not okay. And even if it is normal, even if something is, you're told something is normal, I just want you to know if you don't like it, that's enough reason for you to get help with it. That's enough reason for you to change it. Why do we need to endure suffering just because other people are suffering. It's just, you can't help other people with their suffering if you're suffering. That's just the bottom line. And so it's just like for so long, like learn from my mistakes for so long. I was just like, well, you know what? Maybe I'm just tired because being a parent is hard. And I just went through a two-year pandemic and I just moved internationally and et cetera, et cetera. But if I really took a step back, and acknowledge that i have been struggling with my sleep since 2013 i deserve some help i deserve to feel good i want to pass that on to you and medication is something that we don't talk about enough because it's so stigmatized and it's funny how when i have a migraine i will take ibuprofen you know when i have any other health issues i take medication for it that's prescribed by the doctor um, you know, I had like a skin issue um, and a dermatologist prescribed me something and I used it right away, but I am losing my life to chronic exhaustion and nightmares and I won't take anything for it, right? And this is, isn't to say I've never taken anything at all. I have tried about eight different medications in the course of my mental health journey so far, but I honestly, looking back, I I wish I didn't give up so soon and Medication, it's really tough being on it and trying to find what works. But I just want to say that, like, it's you don't have to be dying to finally seek mental health treatment, Um, you know, medication. It just, I think we need to break that stigma. And I do have that stigma internalized in me still, even though I try to talk about medication online, I talk about taking medication, I still deal with my own internalized stigma that I'm constantly chipping away at all the time. You know, I have to remind myself that, like, In my family, there's nobody I talk to who takes medication for their mental health. And maybe there are people who are taking it, but nobody talks about it, right? So when I'm scared or hesitant to try medication, there's nobody I can call. There's nobody in my family or friend group that I can call and be like, hey, like, you know, what's it like being on an anxiety medication? Is it helping you? Like, there's nobody I can call. And that's why one of the things I love about the support group I host every month is like, Somebody inevitably starts talking about like their medication journey, whether they started a new one, they're tapering off something, or they finally found something that works. It's just like, it just makes me exhale because I'm like, oh my God, it's so nice to have a space where people are just like talking about medication because it doesn't happen. And this is the biggest reason why I'm feeling better. Like I'm not even going to discount it. Like this is huge. And I was really hesitant to try meds again because I have had a lot of negative experiences. Like I said, I've tried eight. And also I want to acknowledge that maybe you're open to medication, but it's really freaking expensive to take medication. Last August, I decided I'm going to go on meds again. And I worked with a psychiatrist, but I was on a medication that was like typical for PTSD patients. And I was like, okay, fine, let's try it. And it's a medication that you have to start at one milligram and slowly work your way up to 11 milligrams per day. And every bottle of medication cost me like, I don't know, 20 bucks. And every visit with her was like 40 bucks. And that stuff adds up quickly, especially when you're tapering up and you need like the half doses and the quarter doses and like all this stuff, right? And my insurance was about to expire and just like all of these factors, right? That plays into it. So, you know, if you're also feeling resistant to try meds because it's not just like a you know, getting penicillin and you're done, it's a, it's a long-term commitment. And it's it's a process of trial and error that costs money. And so, you know, I'm not saying this to scare you. Definitely, like, hopefully this prompts you to actually, like, get the data and look at your budget and, and also evaluate the pros and cons. Like, yes, maybe it's expensive for you to, like, budget in going on a medication journey of trial and error, but maybe it's more costly to you to keep ignoring your health And I wish I had somebody encouraging me to just like make the investment, to see myself as an investment. Because even though I coach people through this, I still have so much money trauma that is like a weed that's grown for, you know, 20 years. And it's going to take me probably 20 more years to uproot that weed because I deal with it in one area and it shows up in another and then in another. And, you know, I'm in therapy right now and I'm almost always, almost always in therapy. Um, and, you know, it, it's tough. So I want to acknowledge that. But, you know, I just really didn't want to waste any time telling you, like, if you just meditate before bed, all of a sudden your nightmares will go away. Definitely consider how serious it is. Look at how long you've been dealing with this. Look at how much it takes away from your life. The problem is we get in a, we kind of get into a rhythm of dealing with pain and we normalize it for ourselves. And we go, this is just the way it is. And then we cut ourselves off from finding solutions or thinking about how maybe things could be better. And I just want you to know that I'm feeling a lot better. I'm feeling so much better It's July now and I started feeling better in May. So I have, you know, 60 full days under my belt of being on this medication and feeling so much better. So I just really wanted to emphasize that. Another thing I want to say is that, you know, I approached medication differently this time, you know, from a mindset standpoint. I knew that I needed to come into a relationship with a new psychiatrist here in Portugal um, with more information, You know, every time I've gone to a psychiatrist, they kind of look at my diagnosis from like three years ago and they're like, oh, here's the treatment protocol for your diagnosis. This new psychiatrist that I saw in Portugal really focused on my day-to-day struggles. He wanted to know what am I feeling and going through symptomatically every single day and how can we address those symptoms? And yes, I know some people are like, oh yeah, medication only deals with the surface level symptoms. It's a Band-Aid. Sure, but that Band-Aid might keep you from... Being suicidal and isn't that doesn't that have value? Like every tool has its purpose and medication has a purpose and let's lean into that. So one thing I did that I think really helped me get on the right treatment plan was I started to really pay attention to my symptoms and rating my sleep every single day. Like literally in a scale of one to ten, every morning when I would wake up, I would rate my sleep. And then I would write down like how I felt that morning. Like, did I have jaw pain? Did I have a headache? Was I clenching? Um, Did I feel stressed that morning? Like right when I woke up. Um, Sometimes I would jot down a few things about my nightmares and I found like a theme and just different pieces of data. So that when I saw my psychiatrist, I had all this information because we all know how hard it is to communicate your needs and advocate for yourself with a doctor when it's about a mental health issue because you're so exhausted, you can barely remember what you ate for breakfast, let alone how your sleep has been over the last 90 days, right? So for 30 days, I think roughly, you know, it wasn't perfect. I, I um, wrote down my symptoms, I rated my sleep and like how I was feeling day to day. That was that was key, and I think it helped my doctor, my new psychiatrist, um, choose a medication that actually was going to work for me. So that was really really helpful. And then the next thing that helped me, because I'm not going to discount this, is knowing what I needed in a bedtime routine. I do have some sort of a routine. It changes up a little bit each day. It's kind of a loose routine, but I do do something every night for bedtime. And I think people can get carried away with bedtime routines. So that's why I emphasize knowing what you need. Um, Because if you don't know what you need in a bedtime routine, you're going to just feel pressure to do literally everything every person recommends. Um, I mean, like, for instance, there's this amazing researcher, sleep researcher named Dr. Matthew Walker, and he wrote a book called Why We Sleep. I absolutely love it. It has amazing content in it. You know, he gives, like, every single research-backed tip and tool for a bedtime routine. That doesn't mean you need to do all of them, okay? Um, So it's uh, important that you practice some self-awareness here. So I started to look at... What was preventing me from going to sleep? Like, why was I resisting it? Why was I going to bed so late? Why was I not getting good rest, like, aside from the nightmares? And then I was going to look at those struggles and try to choose rituals and self-care practices that would address those issues. So I realized one of the things is I am pouring out all day in my work and to my kids. And so I didn't want to go to bed after they went to bed because I feel like I got no me time, right, throughout the day. I think it's called, like revenge procrastination or bedtime procrastination, you know, and that's normal. So I accepted that about myself, but I also knew that I didn't need, they go to bed at eight, my kids. Why do I need to go to bed at 2 a.m.? That's like six hours later. And then I'm exhausted and grumpy the next day. So what I decided to do as a bedtime ritual is I set a bedtime alarm. It goes off every night at 10, 15, And I just spent time building up the muscle of shutting off my phone and shutting off my um, whatever show I was watching. (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter if the the episode's over or not. It needs to be shut off at 10.15. And that alone took me time to build up because I used to just sit up and all night watching, you know, whatever show or getting lost in Instagram reels. And it was always up to chance whether or not I went to bed at whatever time. And that obviously was not great. It was not ideal. So just, you know, this is what I mean by like having that self-awareness. It's like it helps you to choose the right types of rituals and practices. And it's beautiful and I love it. Um, So yeah, it's so simple, but it's so good because... I am so tired at the end of the day, I am not cognizant of what time it is. So I might think it's still like 9 o'clock and I'm like on Instagram Reels and all of a sudden my alarm goes off and it's 10, 15. And I'm like, oh, time to shut this down and brush my teeth. So that really helps. And then another thing that helps me is um, unwinding. Because I get anxious throughout the day sometimes and it kind of builds up. And so it's really important that I have time to unwind and like kind of connect with my breath again. Because when you get anxious, your breath can become more shallow. And I feel like that anxious energy kind of translates into my nightmares. And so I try to make sure I'm as relaxed as possible. So I do do a night meditation. I would say four out of seven nights of the week. Like I'm not perfect at it. That's a practice I'm... I'm currently working on developing and so I have a sleep meditation I do it's on audible I think it's called it's called sleep better meditations by Aptiv and it's spelled A-A-P-T-I-V and I love those they're great if you have an audible uh, account you can get that for free on the subscription so that has been great because I just turned it on and I lay down and I follow the prompts and I it has beautiful music and that really helps me. So I chose that as something I need to develop. And then another thing that I do on occasion when I'm struggling with racing thoughts is I journal at the end of the day. And again, this is like happens like once a week. I don't force myself to do this every night. That wouldn't be realistic. But if I'm struggling with racing thoughts or if I'm replaying things that happen throughout the day over and over and over again and my brain is like making wild stories and conjectures about things like oh I'm a bad mom because this happened or oh I'm not a good enough you know graphic designer and because of this happened and then I journal and I and I make things concrete in real life and I realize that everything's okay and that really helps me deal with the racing thoughts so I make sure I don't take those racing thoughts with me to bed Um, so those are the three things that I do. I highly recommend if you're building your bedtime routine, you know, like I said, pay attention to what your challenges are so that you can address them with the right kind of rituals, play it like a self-discovery process, you know, a trial and error kind of thing, and only start with one ritual at a time. I mean, really the whole like learning how to turn off Netflix when ten fifteen like the alarm goes off. That took me like a month to get good at. I used to be like, no, I'm into this show. I need to like keep watching the episodes. And now it's just like, my brain's like, you're gonna feel happier tomorrow getting the sleep that you need. And you can just press play on this episode tomorrow. It'll still be there when you get back. And so my brain has now like matured and figured that out. And I really think that giving ourselves the time to focus on one ritual at a time is so key in this process of building up a bedtime ritual that actually meets your needs. So hopefully you found that helpful. We're gonna take a quick break and I will see you when we get back for a final thought. Are you enjoying this episode? If you are, I have a class in my coaching program all about sleep. It's called Basic Self-Care, Getting Quality Sleep. And it has so much good information and advice that can help you begin to go on your own journey of figuring out how to improve your sleep. The way that my program is structured, you build one self-care practice per month And you can go at your own pace because once you join, you get lifetime access to all 12 classes and all 12 reflection guides, plus weekly accountability and coaching calls every month. This class on sleep will be available on Friday, July 8th, 2022, and it comes with a daily sleep diary and a medication tracker that you can print out or use on a tablet to practice that self-awareness we talked about that's so important in informing your treatment plan and your bedtime rituals. Use promo code PODCAST to get 10% off the program price. I'll leave a link in the description for you to check it out. Or you can go to miahemstad.com forward slash no longer last. Okay, welcome back. Time for our final thought before we close out the episode. I wanted to remind you of this truth. You simply cannot take care of yourself when you're exhausted. And I know this sounds obvious, but I myself and my clients... I have to remind all of us that if you're struggling to eat well or to shower every day or you're wondering why it's so hard for you to exercise on a regular basis or you feel badly that you have no energy to play with your kids or to get your work done in the way that you want, I want to remind you that it's just not possible to do those things when you're tired beyond belief. It just isn't. And for so long... When I was going through the chronic exhaustion, I was like so upset and disappointed with myself. Like these things are simple. Exercising for 10 minutes a day is simple. Like making myself a tuna sandwich is simple. Why do I feel like it's so hard? And that's because as human beings, we're not designed to be exhausted all the time. We have a biological need to get seven to eight hours of sleep every night. This has been well documented and well studied. So when your brain is struggling to do basic things, it's because your brain is struggling. It's not because you need to read more productivity books, or you need a better planner, or you need more time management hacks, or you need to try harder. It's because biologically, your system doesn't have what what it needs to do life. And that's why it's hard. It's not because you're a failure. It's not because you're not doing good enough. And I just really want to remind you of that because... I think it's just so easy to jump to shaming and blaming ourselves and that doesn't serve you and it's not true. So I really wanted to end on that note and to also affirm and remind you that prioritizing sleep is of ultimate importance. It's of ultimate importance. You know, of all the self-care practices that I teach, I start with sleep because it's the foundation from which all other mental health can thrive from. It's the core of your life. So I wanna encourage you to make the journey of figuring out how to improve your sleep your highest priority because getting good sleep is the cornerstone of your mental health. All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week. Bye.